Welcome to the Who That Kiss Podcast. It's your boy RK. Soon to be joined by JD. And we got another special guest from the Athletic today joining us. It's going to be Catherine Terrell. Dropping by, giving us some knowledge and talking about some Saints stuff that's happening in the offseason. Yes, that's a very informative word right there. Stuff. Because it's I don't even know what's going on right now. If we're even going to have a season. But uh, yeah, we'll be back in a minute with JD. And then Cat uh, will join us. It's your boy RK, rocking with JD. Welcome to the Who That Kiss podcast. I told you we'd be back together, ready for Kat Terrell joining us. Man, JD, I'm pumped. We've had we've had a hell of a stretch, man. I feel like, you know what? You're an honorary Jamaican, Justin. We have been working our real job, parenting, and we're rocking like this is podcast number number nine in like in, in nine days. So we have been we're on that Ross Jackson tip right now, working so damn hard trying to get this stuff done. But this will be the uh, this will be the last podcast we do for a bit, and then we're gonna pump these out and make sure people get a chance to hear them. As you could hear, my little kid screaming in the background. He's pumped, absolutely pumped. pumped. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah, so nine podcasts and ten guests on. And uh, who would have thought, man? You know, seven months ago, uh, we're talking to the biggest names in, in Saints media. Um, on Twitter, in, in New Orleans, around the States, it, it's incredible. Yeah. It, it's honestly incredible. I'm all, all, all about that life, though. But just cool. Let's, let's, let's just roll down, okay? So, us us being in Canada, we, we only get to listen to what we have, right? So, bumping on now, now like with Podbean and iTunes and all that stuff, and even Spotify, we can hear all these other podcasts. But before, we didn't have that ability. So, like, we have the Saints Happy Hour. We had Ralph Marlboro, Andrew Juge. Then you got the yeah. lock, Locked On Saints, where we know Ross Jackson is bona fide. People know him. We get to talk to him. Then we get to talk to Chris Rosvoglu, who also has his podcast, you know, and got to hear what he had to say. Not to mention, we also got to rock with Elias from Hudak Confessional. We couldn't get Deuce on. Deuce doesn't really want to listen to us or talk to us, which is, it is what it is. We just have to kind of giggle it off. But, you know, having. It is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. Like Kevin Gates says. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know what I mean and then we had Nader uh, Murphy come on we had John Hendricks from Sports Illustrated we had Nick Underhill from all over and now doing his own thing with New Orleans football we had Larry Holder from The Athletic and now we're going to have Kat Terrell from The Athletic and I think that that roster that I just mentioned of sports personalities and people that know what's going on is uh yeah, man, like you said, seven months ago, sitting in, you know, sitting in our house, just figuring out that this is what we're going to do and have some fun with it, not spending no money on it, just kind of making it work with what we got, this has been a pretty cool ride. And I'm happy to have done this done this idea and get the, you know, all the feedback from those people that we just mentioned to be so willing with their time and to sit down and rap with us. I actually want to applaud them and, you know, and commend them for being so super awesome people because they've given the people that are listening to our podcast, you know, a really cool take and hearing us bounce our ideas off of them, which I think is pretty cool. You have and, any? and to hear so many perspectives from different people too, like cause these people don't not like pair up, you know, all that often. So, like, you don't ever hear like Catherine Terrell on, you know, Chris's podcast. Not not that she wouldn't go on, but just because they don't link up. But since we've been able to, uh, we, we can kind of like combine all these perspectives into like one summary maybe at the end and do a podcast or kind of what we learned that we didn't know before or um, even the top five most disliked teams. Like that's a cool thing that we've done and we're going to kind of combine all those ideas together and kind of get a list of, you know, the, the top five most disliked teams from all these people combined. So it's pretty cool, man. This whole experience has been awesome and yeah. it's been a great week. Yeah. And it's going to be cool to come up with uh, the compilation at the end and find out who the Saints fans actually hate the most. <laughs> Not, yeah, not not sure. name not name Atlanta, and then uh, yeah. and then obviously you know find out who they kind of like, and we kind of have an idea you and I because we both done all of them, but um, 
last thing is, we're spoiler alert, we're going to have Nader and Elias join us for the wrap-up. So we're going to do a wrap-up episode sometime this week. Uh, basically just detailing what we've... all Like, just summarizing everything that we've went through. And uh, I think that'll be pretty cool to do with those two personalities. And then hopefully they got some stories for us. Because Nader's Roddy White Use a Ho story is... Top five funniest stories I've heard in 2020, and man, did we need something to smile about um, during this, you know, double pandemic that we're living through, COVID and and police brutality. So, um, yeah, man, uh, I'm pretty pumped. We're gonna we're gonna get Cat on the line here, and we'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Who That Kiss podcast. It's your boy RK and JD on the other line, and we are joined by Cat Terrell. Cat, how are you? I'm doing well. What about you guys? We are living through COVID having, I would say, actually a pretty good time. I know a lot of people in the world aren't, but we're both teachers. And, you know, the benefit of being able to kind of work from home and be around our young kids has been kind of cool. But uh, going a little stir crazy and a little bit nervous about the season not starting up as planned. Um, That's definitely something that's kind of bothering me going forward as, you know, a multitude of other things. But what do you know so far about the season not starting up? Is that a possibility? Like, where do you weigh in with, like, a percentage of, of it starting versus not starting? I don't think there's any possibility that we don't have a season. I think the season starts on time. Okay. Probably without fans in the stands. However, I think what we're probably going to start see, seeing is one by one, I think the preseason games are going to get canceled. I think absolutely, well, not absolutely, but I think there's a very high chance the Saints do not play the Rams. Um, Steelers game, I don't know, but I could just see the NFL doing that because it's an easy thing to cancel, and, I mean, it, it's really it's not great for the guys at the bottom of the roster, but in terms of how the NFL values the preseason and how much fans care, I think everyone do without it so season yeah free season i think that's it well thanks for the interview cat that was awesome that's good enough for me i'm happy see you later (laughs) i'm just kidding that's that's perfect um um, i should have i should have actually asked you to to kind of introduce yourself and tell people what you're doing like we know that you're at the athletic but you want to kind of tell people what you're doing and how tuned in you are to the saints sure i started covering the saints in 2013 for the time to use and did that for a couple of years. Then I moved to Cincinnati to cover the Bengals for ESPN. Uh, last year, I've just been wanting to come home for a while, and The Athletic offered me the chance to cover the Saints again. So I moved back in August, uh, working with all my own coworkers, and it's really been uh, fantastic to be able to cover the Saints for um, a company that allows us to do some really cool, fun, sometimes wacky stuff like a wrote two stories about mascots this week and that's been really fun so uh yeah it's been it's been great and i'm you know knock on the wood looking forward to this season and hope hopeful that we have one that's perfect um i know justin had a question he wanted to ask you justin you jump in right here yeah so i i just want to quickly talk about like the current state of the saints and like the roster that we have compiled so far um i, I know that this you know, on paper, it is an incredible team. We haven't seen them on the field yet, obviously, but with the addition of Emmanuel Sanders and, and Malcolm Jenkins, um, with how strong this roster can be, where would you place this in terms of, like, the rosters that we've had in the Sean Payton era, um, in terms of talent or cohesiveness or leadership or um, any of those kind of, you know, realms of what a team ends up becoming? Um and I guess we can kind of narrow it down to the Super Bowl season, which is 09, or the 2011 team, or some say 2018 was a really good team too. So where would you rank those four rosters, uh, not knowing, of course, what they can do on the field yet with this one, but maybe projection-wise, I guess, more so. Yeah, it's a really tough one. I think when you look at the 2011 team, it's really hard for, honestly, any of the Saints teams to compare to that, how good they were. I mean, I still say all the time that team absolutely should have won a Super Bowl, and it just shows you how crazy the NFL is from year to year that they didn't. But, I mean, from top to bottom, I think you'd have to put this, just in terms of pure talent, like top top five for sure, top four maybe. I mean, 
when you when you look at holes on the team, there there aren't many. I think that they've done a great job of trying to fix the offensive line. That would have been the biggest hole, uh, the interior. And I think they've really made some good additions there. When you look at quarterback, it's not the same room as it was last year, but it's a very talented room. I don't think you could say Breeze is the Breeze that he was in 2011, but he's still a, a, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, and I say that. I'm not trying to say that in con- being controversial or anything. I'm just saying, you know, he's, he's a lot older. Um, so that's kind of an obvious statement. But, and I would have to think a little bit about, like, how I would rank them. But in terms of talent, it's, it's up there with anyone. And I think that you have a lot of great leaders on the team. And they should be able to make a run. I mean, they really should. There's really, injuries aside, no excuse for them not to be playing in the postseason next year. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that there's a part where you look at this and you look at the way the analysts are, are breaking down the Saints. We've got a top at the very minimum, a top 10 player at almost every single position on our offense that's starting for us. So 2009, we're very fortunate with the injury bug. We didn't get hit with a ton of injuries. And honestly, 2011 and 2013, if it weren't for injuries in-game, you know, in the playoffs, I really do feel like we were were poised for another Super Bowl as well. So, um I, I agree. I think that I think our our our, our backup corner to Marshawn or Janoris is a is a huge position of weakness for us. Like I don't I don't like the idea of PJ Williams sliding outside to cover anybody for any amount of time. Uh, that does that scares me. So that that kind of scares me. But going forward, talking about this roster that we do have, Cat, if we're to break down the rules for some of the guys that people don't naturally want to talk about. I want to. I want to know your takes on these guys. If they're going to make the roster, or if they'll even have, you know, a, a distinguishable role going forward. Um, looking at Emmanuel Butler and Deontay Harris on offense, not special teams. Do you, do you see a role for either of those guys, and what does that role look like? I do see a role for Deontay Harris. Probably not as going to. Probably won't be as big a role as people think, just because it, when we talked to the Saints wide receivers coaches the other day, they were just saying. You know, going through the process of how they create and draw up plays, and you know, there's not plays to go around for everyone just simply because there are so many talented pass catchers and playmakers on that offense. You said some of the plays for Deontay weren't, you know, originally intended for him outside of uh, that pass um, against the Vikings. I mean, that actually was drawn up for him. Yeah. And with him, he's a uh, he's had a lot of hamstring issues. And hopefully he's past that. But, you know, sometimes those things can linger. So they, he's such a valuable commodity as a return specialist. They probably don't want him in on offense all the time. But I think specifically drawing up packages, okay. when they find, figure out a way to use them, yeah. So it'll, I think his role will increase, but I don't think it's going to be a thing where he's in there all the time. He's, not, he's not a good... Really uh, interesting. Sorry, just to cut you off for sorry, a second. But I'm saying, like, they call himself T-Nation, right? I'm saying he's done... He's done such a good job of promoting himself uh, this off season, with all the work that he's doing. Like you can see him wor- working in, and a bunch of the videos that he's putting out there. It provides you as a fan with a lot of excitement. Because I had this argument with a buddy of mine. He's a Chiefs fan, and I said, "I get it. I'm not going to say it's apples to apples with Tyree Kill and Deontay Harris. That would just be ludicrous." But there's a role for a guy like that in the NFL that's got elite speed, like he does have, and he's shifty. And and if he has the right system and gets plugged in, he can make plays because we've seen it happen, right? Like in that Vikings play, he put Xavier Rhodes on skates. You know what I mean? And like if he can do that in a playoff game, the big stage, I don't see why he can't do that effectively, I don't know, seven, eight, seven to nine times a year, you know, for us in big moments. So I really hope I really hope he does have a bigger role. I'm a little bit saddened, saddened to hear you say that it's not going to be as big as I want, but... Um, what about Emmanuel Butler? Well, with Deontay, I mean, I could be wrong. I just think that he's – I just think that sometimes we, we get so excited about these guys and think when the Saints say, oh, they're going to be used more, and then their their idea of using more and us, our idea are, are two different things. Um, so you have to, you know, figure out how to get the ball to everyone at some point. But I think he is going to make an impact. I mean, you saw that against the Vikings. But, yeah. You know, hopefully, like, three people in office did anything, and – he was one of them, and honestly, uh, it wasn't the world's best pass. And uh, I mean, look what he did. 
So, yeah, yeah I mean, I'm excited to see what he can do in year two. And then Butler, that's an interesting one because um, I did come into camp late last year, but I remember when I came into camp, everyone was talking about this guy. They were really excited about him. And he had a great training camp. And then just it, he never took that next step. And I, I have always wondered exactly why he never got promoted to the act roster. I remember I asked Mickey Loomis at the Senior Bowl, do you ever think about in the season maybe not promoting some of these guys because you're worried about waivers and stuff? I know everyone talks about waivers and it's almost no blown thing, but it, I mean, but it isn't real at times. And he almost insinuated that they, they were worried about promoting a guy like him for a, like a week and then having to, to try to get them, you know, back on their practice squad. Mm. And I don't think he said him specifically, um, but he mentioned everyone's favorite, uh, tight end, Dan Arnold. He said, yeah, we lost Dan Arnold, and we didn't want to lose him, but we had to, you know, bring him up because we needed that, we needed an extra body. Yeah. So, who knows, you know, how much of that is true, but it is interesting. And so, this guy, you know, he's got to take a big step forward this year to make the I, uh, to make a roster, but you know, I'm intrigued by him. So I, I would like to see more of him. Yeah, and I, I hope that he's not just a guy that was a camp star. Before Justin, before you jump in, I just have one quick question because you see these guys closer than we do. Is Butler better than Little Jordan Humphrey, or like how would you how how would you comp them? Like who's who's a who's a better player in your eyes? Uh, see, that's that's hard to say because we haven't actually seen them. Like all we see in practice during the season is uh, the first 20 minutes, and okay. you don't really get to see much beyond um, individual drills, except, like, on, on Friday, they do red zone work, and sometimes you get a chance of, sometimes it gives you a sense of, like, who's going to be up or down that week, okay. just based on the little you get to see, um, and, you know, there were times last year, I was convinced he was going to be promoted to the active roster, because he was working with the, them in the red zone, and then he, he never was. Yeah. But, I mean, I think based on what I thought coming up camp, I thought it was Butler, but, you know, it's, I think, you know, in the same side, they play different roles, and I think, you know, Humphrey has, has played more this year, so maybe he has the leg up going into camp, but... Uh, you know, every year is different. So cool. I know I didn't really answer that. It's no, it's it's, it's 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 listen. It's it's so a gray area. We're, we're I'm appreciative for the answer. I know it's a gray area. I just I was just curious. Justin, what were you gonna say? Uh, I know that I know that Ryan was kind of talking about Deontay Harris. You know, putting up his videos and showing his workouts and stuff that he's been doing. I know another guy that we just signed, Ty Montgomery, is doing the same thing, and he looks like he's ready to play at a different level, maybe because he knows he's coming to the proper team for his skill set. Um, and and I'm just thinking now, like, where would he? be on, on the you know the game day roster in terms of wide receiver running back like where would they put him to kind of take up a spot or take a spot away from somebody else who might want to be on that in that fifth receiver spot or the third running back spot like where do you kind of see Tom Montgomery fitting in with with the team and his skill set right now yeah you know we asked one of the assistant coaches about that and they talked a lot about positionless players uh, mostly on defense, but I think maybe they see him that way too. They basically didn't say too much, but just said, you know, he's a guy that's a weapon that can play multiple positions. I just look at what he did in Green Bay. I think, I mean, I see him, I mean, I know that's what he's looking at, but I see him more as a running back who can just do multiple things like Kamara does. I don't really see him as a wide receiver. I think if you if you go into the season, he's going to be listed at running back or work with the running back. But, you know, in the Saints' offense, they all do multiple things. So, you could probably, like, plug him in anywhere. I, I'm just curious to see. I mean, man, I just want to see this guy on the field. Like, I want to see exactly what Pete does with him. Yeah. And when we talk about this stuff, I get so excited. I'm like, man, I just hope. I hope I'm watching practice in, in a month, <laughs> literally a month away. It's but, crazy. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. How, it's crazy yeah. how one moment can kind of deter a guy's career because he was playing really well for the Packers. You remember when he had that fumble on specials, and it just kind of ruined his career in Green Bay after he fumbled the ball, and uh, Aaron Rodgers kind of called him out on it, and it just it wasn't ever the same for him there. And then he ends up being, you know, moved around the league a little bit. So yeah, I'm interested to see how he turns out for us. I have a feeling that he's going to take away. Latavius Murray's touches because they're going to have to find a way to get 
Ty Montgomery touches, and they're not going to take it from AK. I feel like AK is going to get a full load this year, and they're going to either use him up and pay him, or use him and and ha- have a little bit of legitimacy as to why they're paying him. So, um, I just got two more roster questions for you. And you can keep them short if you want, but uh, Anzalone, uh, if he's healthy, and that's obviously a big if, when will he be on the field? And like, how much do you see him being on the field? And then Troutman as a rookie tight end, do you think that he's going to actually have a, a role with us, like more of a pass-catching role versus like an actual traditional tight end role? Or will it be the, the kind of rookie tight end, not effective learning year for him? Anzalone is a, a tricky one because I think there are very real concerns from the Saints that as to whether he can make it through the season. But when I, I keep referencing the assistants because we don't get to talk to them that much and they're so insightful. Um, one of the assistant coaches was saying, I really, truly think that he's behind that or that's all past him and he's going to have a great year. Now, of course, that's easy to say June, um, but he would have to probably be going into this year above Kiko Alonso because Alonso got hurt so much later. And while the target is August, who knows? Like, there could be setbacks with his ACL, which I said I need to see how he's doing. But, you know, it could be August, September, October. So I think the Anzalone, like, getting a starting role week one, I mean, if, if that shoulder is fine, then they're going to play him. And as far as Troutman goes, it almost seems like Dan Campbell wanted to pump pump the brakes a little bit. Like he's so excited about it, but he keeps saying, you know, he does. He's very raw. Um, he's going to be a guy we bring around along slowly. So maybe to me that says, uh, as a pass catcher, they draw off a few plays for him, but really they're not going to try to throw him into the fire. I mean, if you have you have Jerry Cook, you have Josh Hill, you don't have to get Troutman in right away, but. I mean, I am excited to think about once he's up to speed, like from two tight end sets with Cook and seeing what they can do. Because if that guy can adjust to NFL speed and NFL competition, man, he could he could really be a great player. Yeah, I'm excited and, to see him on the field. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, and just speaking of like the 12 personnel and there are two tight ends on the field, um, like all all the options we have. I'm just thinking about this now, and that's something comment to be here. Like, you can get so many different variations of what we want to do on offense out there. If we, for example, had, you know, Cook and Troutman at the, you know, tight end position in 12, and then we brought in, like, Ty Montgomery and Taysom Hill on one side and Mike on the other side, and, like, it, it's ludicrous how many options there's going to be this year, and I'm so excited to see that it kind of transpire. I, I hope that, you know, it kind of goes the way we're all thinking it's going to go, and and, uh, and Sean uses all these, you know, tools that he has to kind of construct the year how he wants it, but... Um, What's your favorite formation that you kind of see on a daily basis or in practice? Or what have you seen that we haven't seen on the field yet? Is there anything you've seen in terms of, in terms of personnel that could be, you know, applied to a game in some, in some sense? That's a really good question. Um, man, I'd have to think about that for a while. Just really right before you said that, I wasn't thinking specifically of a formation I want to see, but I was just thinking, man, we keep talking about all these guys and we haven't even talked about Sanders yet. And, Someone's like, man, could I, I don't I don't know, but it, could Sanders be like one of the missing links we've been talking about all year? We keep saying they they need another number two wide receiver, they need another, another number two, and finally they, they basically went with the you can't beat them, join them philosophy, and after Sanders you know killed them, and if Sanders doesn't take a, a downslide because of his age. That could be really interesting, seeing him alongside Mike Thomas and then Jared Cook on the field, too, and um, all these really, really interesting playmakers. So as far as, like, specific formations, don't have one in my head right now, but I'm more just interested to see how how teams are going to defend against Sanders and Thomas and, and Cook all at once, if Cook is healthy the whole year. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's what I want to do. Oh, Ryan, you there? Yep. Oh, okay, sorry. I thought you cut out for a second. No. So, go ahead. Oh, no, no, sorry. I, I, that was my question. I, I thought I was okay, okay. going to get, get a take on what she thought was better. Not a, not a problem, not a problem. So, Kat, we had asked you um, to think about your top five dislike teams in the NFL. 
you want to run them down five to one and just let us know why those te- why you just like that team or what the re- reasoning is behind it. shock your let me shock your memory for a second on some reasons and I might I, I might you know jump like jumble yeah, up some age case so yeah. so for myself and Justin we did ours um Justin I'll let you run through yours in a second actually Justin you go first you rattle down your five to one and give a small quick reasoning as to each one yeah yeah so my number five was Seattle uh solely for the fact that they took away our 2010 you know back-to-back chance with the Marshawn Lynch run there and then also in 2013 when they beat us uh, in the playoffs again in Seattle and I feel like that year we could have maybe done something else too had we beat them, um, because because the, the road in that playoff year wasn't wasn't overly strong, and I feel like we could have won that year too. Um, and then number number four was Carolina, simply for the fact that it's, it's Cam Newton, solely <laughs> just him and everything that he does, except for giving a football to the kids in the stands. I'm good with that. Um, and then my number three, I went with San Francisco, and, and primarily. Because of this past year, week 14, when they beat us, and that was a chance to go 14-2, and two, get the one seed, and then obviously that would have helped us get a chance to go to the Super Bowl this year, or past year. And then, um, and, and also from 2011, when they beat us in playoffs, and Dante Whitner uh, did his job too well. Um, and then in my number two spot is, is Minnesota, for very obvious reasons. Uh, but one that's kind of maybe not thought about too much is from where we are. Minnesota's about a six, seven-hour drive, so... Um, there's so many Vikings fans up here so many. in proximity, and, and I can't handle seeing all the purple and yellow, gold, whatever color you want to call them. Vikings fans are just as bad as Falcons so, fans. Yeah, so we, we get a lot of Vikings fans where we're from, so whenever the Saints are playing the Vikings, we hear a lot about, you know, if we're on the losing end, we hear a lot about it, but once, obviously, uh, the Saints get a win here and there, like in 09 in the championship game, uh, there was not lots of talk happening then, so it's funny how things go, and it's going right for them. Um, but yeah, my number one, of course, is, is Atlanta, only because of the, the rivalry and the hatred that every Saints fan kind of has instilled in them from the very beginning. And, and also just because of what they do, their, their owner, uh, and, and just like little things that they do. And Nick yesterday mentioned that uh, very classless moment that he remembers from, from their organization was when they misspelled the Tom Benson tribute. And uh, and just little, little, and also when Drew Brees broke the record for the most completions, they didn't, uh, they didn't stop the game. They didn't stop the game to acknowledge that, even though you know it, it's a, a generational talent, and, and a, I know it's a rival, but still, out of respect for the person and, and for the, the game itself, it should be done. So Atlanta for for more than a hundred reasons, but uh, those are my my most disliked teams, five <laughs> to one. Yeah, and like I have some of the same teams, Cat. Um, in different order, obviously, and uh, I have Green Bay on my list as well, and Dallas. Green Bay because Aaron Rodgers, I hate the comp, I feel like I'm a crazy person talking to people, maybe, you know what, I'm actually going to ask your opinion on this, because you're a little bit more educated than I am when it comes to this. I get it, Aaron Rodgers is talented, but his resume doesn't even, it doesn't scratch the surface as to what Drew Brees has on his resume. Why do professional analysts, people who get paid money, to either write or be on TV talking NFL football, consistently snub Drew Brees and give Aaron Rodgers all this credit. They both have won Super Bowl, and Drew has got all of the records. That's, that's a great question, but I've always felt like Brees has always been overlooked. Even 10 years ago, I mean, even after they won the Super Bowl, 
And I don't really know why that is. I don't know if it's because New Orleans is a small market, if it's because Breeze himself He's compared to some other flashier quarterbacks, I guess is, for lack of a better, better word, most of the time, pretty boring. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, if that makes sense, like, there's just some quarterbacks, no matter what they do, everyone covers them and, like, they're every word incessantly. I don't know if they're more interesting or, or what. But um, maybe it's a small market thing. I, I don't know. But Green Bay is a small market. Like, Green Bay is such a small market. Yeah, but Green Bay is like the one exception because, I mean, first of all, you go from Hall of Fame quarterback to Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. There's already a ton of attention on Green Bay already, and they've mm. got all that history. And, and I think it's like the one ex- small market ob- obsession, small market exception. Because, you know, I covered – the Bengals for three years, and it's the same thing. I mean, they don't really get paid attention to. I'm sorry to hear um, that. <laughs> Buffalo is getting attention now, but I don't know. It's, it's interesting. There's just some teams that people just nationally just don't talk about, and Brady's yeah. never got the credit he deserved, whether it's being talked about nationally or when it came to, you know, awards and things like that. Um, it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah, it's, sure. it's, it's actually a joke that Drew Brees doesn't have an MVP. Um, through his career. He's the only quarterback to throw for multiple 5,000-yard seasons. He's broken his percentage record multiple times. Um, I don't know what else the guy's got to do. He's won a Super Bowl. I, it just, it's, just, it's unfortunate that he doesn't have an MVP attached to his resume, but it doesn't matter. He's still going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer when he's done, and he's got a Super Bowl, and hopefully he gets a second one this year. But now you heard us spew all of our hate um, <laughs> about, about some teams. Give me a list. I got New England for you at five. Give me a four, three, two, and one. Oh my gosh, You're, this is hard because I don't look at it the same way y'all do. Like I would feet to the fire, feet to the fire. Like, <laughs> places I don't like to go as much, and then fans that are annoying online. That's okay. Um, and uh, I think I think you're right. I think Vikings fans can get pretty annoying online whenever those two play. Like I think they get in your mentions. And don't stop talking, from what I remember. It yeah. blurs together. So, um, maybe Minnesota. Um, I don't have anything against Detroit. It's just not, like, as a trip, when Detroit's in the schedule, all the riders are kind of like, uh, not like, nothing exciting about going there. Fair. Um, this is in no particular order. So, we're, we're just throwing out five. Uh, man, I have to work hard to, to get to another two. Well, hold so, on. Um, is Atlanta going to be on your list? Because if they're on your list, we could just pencil them in at one. Well, of course, you have to have a little. Okay, right? so, so you, you okay, so you only have one. You have one then, vacant spot. Ooh, okay, I guess maybe Pittsburgh fans because when I cover the Bengals, any time that the Bengals and the Steelers play, they would just like get in my mission, yell at each other, and it's just so annoying. And <laughs> uh, it, it would just like turn into this obnoxious Bengals Steelers fight all week and. I mean, this is all like in good fun. Like, I don't have anything against any other any team really. Except yeah. Now I'm an LSU fan, so Alabama. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it'll probably be that. Okay, um, so like, uh, so a we, side note: were, thrown in there for no reason. <laughs> were you at Were you at the national championship? Uh, this year. Yeah. Okay, so when was it? Was it true that LSU started chanting? And I don't know what the chant was, but it's like a song, or whatever, and they start cussing. And everybody was singing it. Is that a is that was that a thing? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, uh, neck. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I don't think they played neck in the national championship. I thought I thought I heard that everybody, everybody went crazy during a commercial timeout, and that like the fans are going nuts, and and yeah. I really can't remember. It is really sad. Anything that happened before March, I I can't remember. It feels like a million years ago. That's I do fair. not remember. That's I don't fair. think they did, but maybe they did. Maybe I was getting a trigger. Oh, man. I don't remember, but... Uh, that was the best... Yeah, maybe, maybe that's the... That's the best college season of all time, right? Like, that roster stacked, the season stacked, the like, the way Joe Burrow oh, yeah. dismantled that Final Four. Like, that's just... That was so cool. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been... It's been amazing. It's, you know, I've grown up an LSU fan. I never thought I'd ever see a team like that. But probably, like the most special in my heart probably the 07 season just because it was the craziest season ever every week was up and down every week coming crazy was happening and for them to go through all that and win I mean that was so much fun but this team was just purely dominant 
it was so great. I mean, I went to I went to the Alabama game this year at Bama, and we had a great time. And um, I think it was been such a great season. And you know, we keep joking. You know, if there's not a college football season, I guess LSU will just have to remain the national champion. <laughs> uh, I'm, here, I'm here for it. Keep it light. <laughs> And it's, it's pretty hey. cool how, how there's a connection for you, too, where you went to Cincinnati for a year, and now that's where Joe Burrow is. That's kind of a, if you got connected to that team, you kind of, you know, got to be a part of that organization for a year. And now, you know, the, the transcendent quarterback from your favorite college team is now the quarterback of that team. That, that's a pretty cool connection point, too. Yeah, it is. I, I joke that when I got there, there was four LSU players there, and they cut all of them or – uh, or they left, and so I didn't have any anymore. And so then I leave, and now, um, you know, the greatest quarterback LSU has ever had is yeah. now in Cincinnati. So we always joke about that because I, I talk to the Bengals writers a lot. We're all still very close. So, um, hey, I hope I hope he's successful, but um, we'll see what happens. Okay, so, yes. Yeah, it's kind of cool. They, they, they do like their LSU players there. Yes or no answer, okay? And it's a tough one. I'm putting you on the spot, Kaz. So it's, I understand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Alright. And I'm asking three of them, actually. Is Joe Burrow a top a top 12 quarterback in the NFL right now? Already? Yep. He's a rookie. Hey, that's irrelevant. Rookies have success nowadays. The way, You can't hit him any, You can't hit him anymore. Well, I mean... That's a tough question. Okay, let me think. Well, apparently Drew Brees is only top fifteen. So. <laughs> that is the worst list ever. I mean, oh, Chris, Chris, yeah, Chris Sims got rocked well, by Chris Osvoglu. He's saying any rookie is automatically better than half the NFL. He does hopefully have AJ Green to throw to this year, but now I mean I, I would probably say you can't say that yet. Um, okay, I mean, so, say, so you say no. To, you say no. Okay. I'm thinking there's Breeze, Brady, Rogers. Put it this way: Would you take Joe Burrow this year? This year, this is this is the benchmark, okay? Because it used to be the Andy Dalton line, right? The Andy Dal- Dal- Dalton line was saying you're on the top half of the uh, of the quarterbacks in the NFL, or you're on the bottom half because he's the average, right? So this year, I feel like that line. So I feel like that line this year is like the Kirk Cousins line. So would you take this year Kirk Cousins as your starting quarterback, or would you want Joe Burrow as your starting quarterback? No, that's a good question. Um, well, if you're gonna put it that way, because cousins is cousins is twelve. I see. Well, then I would want to go with a younger. You know, I mean, I think he could be a generational talent. So yes, yeah, so then I would probably go with Burrow. But some people might say I'm crazy for saying that. You're not. So he's 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 that talented. Thing. He's that um, talented. He has his golden line. Oh, poor Andy Dalton. He really <laughs> was good, but he had good tax around him. But I mean, it fell apart. It fell apart. Yeah, Dad. it's people forget the fact that he went to the playoffs. For like, was it five years in a row, four years in a row? Wild card right. Saturday yeah. first game every year. I'm but I'm saying, but I'm saying, a, right. there's a lot of guys that don't make the that don't make the playoffs at all ever, and we try to hype them up. Like Aaron Rodgers has missed the playoffs so many times, and no one ever mentions that. I hate Aaron Rodgers, by the way. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, yeah, man. it's not exactly fair because when he was actually in fifteen. He was playing fantastic, and then he got hurt. So, you know, when they exited the playoffs first round, he wasn't even playing. You know, that wasn't his fault. And then uh, my last year in the Bengals? God, why? I can't remember anything right now. Um, two years ago, not this year, I think the year before, before they just took a nosedive, he was playing great that first month. Like, that he, he had that 15-play drive to beat the Falcons in Atlanta. Yeah. Everything was looking great, but then quietly, everything was about to just implode because Tyler Eifert got hurt, uh, Giovanni Bernard got hurt, John Ross got hurt all in the same game, and, you know, everyone thinks, oh, they'll be fine, but, you know, you take out three of your offensive starters and it's over, so yeah. uh, the thing the season was never the same after that, and then Marvin Lewis got fired, but, um, <laughs> yeah, he's just the type of guy that needs a good cast around him. Like, a guy yeah. like Breeze will make the guys around him better. A guy like Dalton can play very well, but you you have to have the right players around him. He's not yeah. going to elevate the players around him, and that's the difference between a, a Hall of Fame quarterback and any other quarterback. Yeah, he's like a Matt Hasselbeck, Trent Dilfer type guy, where like you put give him weapons, they're successful. 
Um, right, right. So like that, yeah. that's all that negativity that we have. Let's go positive. So when the Saints aren't playing and you're kicking it at home, what do you drink? You drink beer, you drink bourbon, you drink beer, what do you drink? Wine? What's your drink of choice? Cat? We can preface this by asking, if you're sitting back and you're having, you know, your Friday night, you're about to watch a game, let's get away from all the negativity. What, what's your drink of choice? Are you a bourbon, a beer, a wine, vodka? What's, what's your drink of choice? So it depends on where I am. Um, I don't drink beer anymore because I found out I was to have some, like, issue with weed, so I just gave it up. Okay. Um, but I do, <laughs> yeah, this makes no sense, but I'm going to say it anyway, I could Bourbon sometimes has weed in it. I, when I go on the road, like I like bourbon, um, a really good bourbon, but at okay. home, usually just wine. Okay. So, like, if I'm working, um, if I'm working a game and I come home and watch Sunday Night Football by myself, I'm drinking wine, but if I'm out, I like a nice a glass of bourbon, but um, like Jack Daniels or Flynn's or. Okay. Um, but really, really all over the place. Okay, it's okay, it's okay. So, you, so, so you'll. you'll you will partake in a cocktail here or there, right? You'll have something. So, oh, for sure. That's yeah, a, that's I, I drink um, vodka sodas too. Perfect. So we're just prefacing, lame, prefacing to paint the picture here. <laughs> um, interesting fact about bourbon. Do you guys know what makes bourbon a bourbon, not a rye, or not a whiskey? Do you know what the requirement sort is? Of. It has to be 50, I, I It has to be fifty-one percent corn. So a bourbon has to be made fifty-one percent corn. That that's the the ingredient basis for bourbon. Versus whiskey has to be has to be has to be sat in a two year charred barrel for at least a year. That's the that's the difference between the two. Anyways, I bartended for fifteen years and I have useless knowledge. Oh, um, that makes, my brother <laughs> corrects me on this all the time. I'm like, hey, I don't care what it is if it tastes good. So, <laughs> so if you're at home, you're having a bourbon, um, you're kicking it back. The Saints aren't playing. What's one team that you cheer for that you're like, I hope they win, and you find yourself, you know, applauding. And I'm guess. I'm gonna guess it's Cincinnati, but hopefully I'm wrong. Who are you cheering for? Um, I don't have any NFL teams that like I root for, but I do root for the people I, I meet along the way and, and things like that. I mean, or at least I want them to have success. So, like you know, when the Bengals play, I mean, I, I know so many people there now, so many people that cover them. That yeah, like I do want them to have success. And then, um, just I'm trying to think like. A, Specific players I covered that play for other teams now. Like I used to, I, I was, I'm pretty close with Ben Watson. So um, when he left the Saints, I always hoped he would do well. Uh, Kevin Minter, he used to play for the Bengals. He played for LSU. Um, he's with Tampa now, so maybe I can't say that. But um, <laughs> you know, I, I always miss the best for him. So it's really stuff like that. Like I'll see people I used to cover, and I'm just like, oh, you know, I, I really hope things go well for them this year. But we always say as journalists, we root for the best story. So um, there's, you know, that aspect of it too, especially when it comes to the team you cover. But, you know, as far as just watching games, I just love any watching any games with, with a really talented team. Like, I, watching the Chiefs was fun this year. Um, it really was. Watching Patrick Mahomes is, is always fun. And um, he's on TV a lot now. So I yeah. enjoy watching what, what he can do. That's awesome. Justin, what you got for me? Uh, all right, I think we're going to end you on one, one question here, Kat, and it's about the guys who are going to need a new contract and get that money uh, coming after this year. So, obviously, the, the four from the major draft class we had with Ramchek and Marshawn, Marcus Williams, and Alvin Kamara, which of those four, if, if any of them, do you think uh, don't come back to the Saints next year because of contract numbers or, or fit for the team after you know their, their contract is done? I'm going to say, well, I'd put Williams first and then Kamara. Um, I'm going to say there's no way the Saints let Ramchak walk out the door. But Kamara is a tricky one because of everything going on right now. You're already in this debate about how much you're going to pay running backs and, and what that looks like and whether you should do it. And now there's a very real fear around the league that the salary cap is going to go down because of what's happening. I mean, not even fear. They're almost certain that it's going to happen. So if Kamara goes in a next year without a contract, I don't know if that is better for the Saints. 
because other teams would be less willing to spend more money that because of the salary cap situation or if it, it, it's bad for him. I just think it could be a really interesting offseason if, if he go if he ends up a free agent yeah. because we don't know what it's going to look like. So yeah. probably Williams, Kamara, Lattimore, and then Ramchek is how I would rank that. But it yeah. doesn't mean doesn't mean that Kamara is any less important. It's just, just more of a weird situation based on the nature of his position. Yeah, unfortunately, it seems like a lot of people have the same sentiment. Marcus Williams is going to command $50 because that's the going rate for a free safety like that. And, uh, yeah, it seems that the Saints are going to be able to draft a guy to play that spot. It seems like that's what they did with Von Bell as well. He went to your old stomping grounds out in Cincinnati, and it was just like, bring in a better coverage guy. Pretty much the same price tag, but let him go save a couple bucks here with Malcolm Jenkins and and have a little bit of extra money for 2021 because it seems like that's where we're going to need it. Um, I did have one more question. I, it was hiding here on my on my list, Kat. And uh, I, I was just – I like asking people this because everybody's got their own reasons of why they like the Saints and, and fond memories of things that happen, and they're not, not always the big moments. You know what I mean? Like it's not always 2009 uh, for everybody as their favorite Saints moment. What is your favorite Saints moment that people wouldn't recognize if you just said it out loud right away? Like your your average NFL fan would have to like go into the archives and, and look at the tape to see your your favorite moment. Um, there's no like. See, I always feel like I, I try to think about this, and then of course I I only think I come up with an answer after I'm off the phone, but. <laughs> For me, I think what was a very special moment for me, and I don't know if this is a pull-out-of-the-archive moment, but when Breeze broke that record um, in 2012 of Johnny Unitas' record of consecutive games with a touchdown pass, that was a really big game for me because I was really young. I was 22, and I got to write the big feature that week about Breeze. Nice. um, You know, I got to call um, Raymond Berry and – who was just the nicest person ever. And we had this great talk, and I, I just thought that moment was so cool. You know, when Bree spoke the record, and he's hugging Devery Henderson, and, and I just thought, man, this is just the coolest thing to be able to watch these amazing players and, and write about these guys who did such special things. And um, so for me, it was just, you know, the realization that I wasn't even full-time with St. Judd. But it was just a realization that, you know, I got to cover these amazing athletes living and um so i remember that game a lot and i think it, it was also references the game or the story that um made them consider moving me to a full-time beat writer so maybe that's why that was special but there's been so many moments it, it's just you know my favorite moments are just hanging around the locker room and, and talking to these guys you know cam jordan is always just he we joke he's just all over the place he's like a giant kid and um you know, always fun to be around. And Thomas Morstead is, is one of the most genuinely nice people you've ever you'll ever meet. And ben Watson and I always had really great talks, and you know, he's still someone that um, I talk to on occasion. And you just kind of make great relationships. And I know I'm rambling, but you know, those yeah. are the important things for me. And um, it's been really amazing covering not only someone like Drew Brees who's going to the Hall of Fame, but just the numerous talented guys the Saints have had over the years. It's just Make people lucky, you know, and you get to cover greatness, I guess, for lack of a better term. And yeah. I know that's a long answer, but no, it's not a long answer at all. In fact, it's not rambling because we're both answer. we're both we're both sitting here listening, being like, "Yeah, awesome." Uh, you know, what, you know what's a what's a realization I just had as you were talking, Kat, is I think we've interviewed about seventeen personalities over the last seven months, and I've never asked anybody about their encounters with Drew Brees. That's not something I've ever asked because it's just assumed that he's awesome. What what's your do you have a fond memory or two or three of Drew or do you have like a commonality a co- a common thing that you would say uh, about Drew? I think the thing about Drew is that you know I came into the game pretty late with Drew. Like I knew you know I knew we were never going to be super close only because by the time I started covering him, he'd already been in the league for I think twelve years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, maybe not well, a long time. Like a <laughs> so it's hard, yeah. It's hard to really get close to these guys when they've been in the league so long. They're so popular. It's just, you know, you end up 
players end up having their reporters that they're closest to, and that's just kind of how it is, um, especially for quarterbacks. But, you know, Drew has always been incredibly easy to deal with. He's very accommodating. You know, some quarterbacks, you can't talk to them off to the side, and, and he'll do that for you. And he always tries to answer your questions, which I, I appreciate. And uh, this year, we, we had a talk for this story I was doing um, about fatherhood. And, um, you know, he just talked to me off the top of the side for a while, just talking about um, his daughter and how independent she is uh, compared to his three boys. And he, he just, like, had this – he talked about how, like, he'll, she'll, like, be sitting in her dollhouse and um, he'll attempt to, like, have tea parties with her and, you know, play with dolls because, you know, that's how <laughs> – that's what he wants to do. And it's always funny, you know, these, these like, these guys that – play this violent sport for a living and then you talk about their kids and they just light up. That's awesome. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's, it's stuff like that. It's, it's, he also actually had a great story last summer that I never got to publish because he got hurt, but um, he was just talking about how he and his wife um, went to Africa with, uh, not, it's not called the Ellen DeGeneres Fund, but he's close to Ellen DeGeneres and um, she does a lot of work with gorillas and they went to go visit gorillas in Africa. Um, I think it's the Diane Fossey Center, and um, he's really excited about that. He actually put it on a tweet, and so I was going to write about it, and then he got hurt like, the next week. So oh. that never, sometimes that happens. But, um, yeah, he's just always been a really easy guy to, to deal with, even though he's always pressed for time. You know, Breeze is a very regimented guy. Like, yeah. He has a routine. He sticks to that routine. He's always the same warm-up spot on the field every day, <laughs> like, down to, like, a few inches. So, um, he's always kind of, you know, uh, I don't even know how to – he's always running somewhere because he's so pressed for time, but he does give up a lot of time. And as reporters, we've always appreciated that. And uh, there are definitely much – there are definitely a lot of other quarterbacks that are probably much more difficult to deal with, so – Yeah, that's awesome. That is awesome, that's awesome. And, and speaking of having, you know – time to get to people. We appreciate your time so much today, Catherine. This is an incredible time to talk to you and, and kind of talk about the Saints and just football in general and, and learn more about you and your, your kind of travels through the NFL. And and uh, I'm super, super appreciative of you coming on to our podcast and Orion as well. So uh, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you from uh, up here in Canada. And, and hopefully we can have you on again at some point. Um, and uh, yeah, it was an absolute pleasure. Hey, absolutely. This is really fun, and I'm going to have to think of a better answer to the uh, top five or worst NFL <laughs> questions. Uh, but, uh, no, this was super fun. This, y'all asked some, some uh, different questions, which is awesome. Like, it's fun to, like, try to actually think for a while on these answers. So That's uh, awesome. Anytime, y'all. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Kat. And uh, we always we always get at it on the same thing, all right? You have a good night, and who that? Stay safe, y'all. All right. Later.